You're listening to a fourth hand production. What was the meme I saw the other day? If you need, if you feel you have a need to have 144 rolls of toilet paper for two weeks, you should have been to the doctor way before you worried about COVID 19. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a fucking problem. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know planes man. that they're building? And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm COVID-69. <laughs> it's too soon, sir. Well, very too soon. Or is it? It seems like it's been changing well, fucking I mean, hourly. This isn't going to come out for weeks, so who the it's fuck not. knows? <laughs> we'll probably all be quarantined to our house by the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this, what, two weeks ahead of time? Yeah. So if, God only knows. If sound quality suddenly dips on the podcast, it's because we're doing it via... Skype or FaceTime or some shit. Fucking pay phone outside our houses, if that even exists anymore. Oh, anyway. Well, everybody, welcome. Um, yeah, truly strange times. We'll see. Again, we're recording this earlier, so we'll see what uh, oof, what that looks like. I yeah. know currently we are discussing all kinds of crazy ramifications, like, you know, your service provider not giving a shit and other things. Yeah. It's just crazy. I don't, I don't get it, but... Mm. Yeah, blatant <sighs> disregard for public healthy and safe, <laughs> safety and health. But you know, he doesn't yeah. listen to this podcast, does he? I hope not. <laughs> where we're where we're at, uh, everyone's like basically bought all the toilet paper, but nothing's really closed yet. So my buddy's on mm. tour in Germany right now, and he took a picture of a grocery store there, and it was empty. So I'm like, well, at least they're idiots too. Oh, yeah, everyone's idiots. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's the key I, word here. I feel yeah. like the Americans are getting the uh, the bad rap. As we should. As we should. I mean, yeah, we deserve it. It yeah. doesn't seem like our country's doing much. But uh, it was just nice to see that Germany is yeah. also full of morons. Yeah, yes. and I think most countries are. Um, and I think even, you know, like you said, the grocery stores, again, currently, you know, just shelves. For some reason, what was the meme I saw the other day? If you need, if you feel you have a need to have 144 rolls of toilet paper for two weeks, you should have been to the doctor way before you worried about COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's buying supplies like they think it's going to be a hurricane instead of like they think they might have to stay in their houses for a couple weeks, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know. I mean, I probably need 144 rolls of toilet paper for two weeks, but I. Well, that's hey, you. Hey, you're, you're different. Well, you so. know what? I'm honestly. <laughs> if it. Like, I know it's not a perfect world, but if they just shut everything down for, like, let's say two weeks, yep. I'm, d I'm down for a two week shutdown. Uh, it's springtime. I've got a lot of yard work to accomplish. Uh, well, think so, of how versatile you can be. That's a thing. Uh, Way I, ahead of the game. I would really like to go camping, so I'm going to take this two weeks and have consider it a very cheap just vacation. Just fuck off to the mountains. <laughs> just consider it a very cheap vacation. Get a ton of my get my garden ready. Get everything ready. Uh, possibly build a fence for the chickens. Then fuck off to southern Utah. Camp a little bit. 
You better watch your chickens. With everything going on, somebody's going to steal those fuckers. Maybe. Well, we're not getting them till July. So. Oh, well. I, I still got to build the fence around the coop and everything. Yeah, I just spent a day and a half trying to organize the hoarder rat nest I have upstairs into a fucking <laughs> I saw that fucking Santa Claus. Me. I'm like, dude, that's fucking yeah, weird. I put that on Patreon with zero context, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. But uh, yeah, like uh, my work is work from home until further notice, so I needed to make a space I could go and work because my couch isn't going to work long term long term yeah yeah you know i feel safe mentioning that you know this is like two weeks ago basically yeah. um, but we had a breakout and yeah it was crazy watching guys in suits and masks and goggles and gloves and quarantine areas they spray every little thing down and move frames and put frames here and spray frames down and chairs and it, it just of course i'm taking the picture like a dummy behind him with goggles face gloves mm. mask you know just so i know that i'm okay but I, uh, I yeah. picture that going down very Monsters Inc. style, mm, right? <laughs> I keep thinking like of Shaun of the Dead. Remember when he what yeah. was a fucking quote? He said, "Hey, we're just gonna go. Do you have a plan? I got a plan. We're gonna go to the Winchester and have a pint till this whole thing blows over." Yeah, I keep thinking that shit over and over. Well, that's again. what I'm saying. I'm gonna go to my house and just have several pints until until yeah. it all blows over. Yeah. No, I was telling you guys that I actually literally have like three cases of fucking beer behind my couch because yeah. I have nowhere else to fucking store it. Yeah, some people are hoarding uh, toilet paper. I'm hoarding what's important. <laughs> my priorities. Alcohol. <laughs> yeah. It's booze, folks. <laughs> I was I was in line at the Winco, and I had like three cases of PBR. Like excessive and, much? And then yeah. I, w I went to the liquor store and got... Uh, if you're not from Utah, we have to go to a, a state-run liquor store to get our, our actual booze. Mm. I got two half gallons of Seagram's and a bo boxed wine. So What's I, a wine for? I'm to to, dr to drink. You, well, if you run out of Touché. Seagram's also, or if you want oh. a break. <laughs> also, I live with a female. That's what I figured it was. I thought maybe it was, yeah, the other thing. So, yeah. so um, Well, today we are going to be talking about the temple of psychic youth and basically i think this is going to turn out to be uh probably a two-parter maybe three but i don't want to promise anything um de depending on uh if you know i get some time off of work it could very well be a three this could turn out really somebody could make an entire season on yeah just this could this. be strange uncles presents yeah and uh, you know what like, is it just me going I'd never heard, and actually, it was a, it was a friend of the podcast and a Patreon member, mind you. Yeah. By the way, thank you, Patreons. We're a little bit bigger. Um, appreciate it. You know, hopefully, we're doing you right. Tell but it was friends. <laughs> yeah, right. But it, yeah, it was a recommendation. It and was. I was like, I never even, I don't, I never even heard of these fucking guys. And then you decided to take the lead, John, and get a book and kind of do the research. Mm -hmm. And even the little bit of digging I was doing, I was like, I, there's too much here. It's a lot. It's a lot. And honestly, I should have had this prepared two three weeks ago but mm. it's just so much to decipher and go through and honestly there's chunks so i'm reading they have a book called the psychic bible and it's basically any anything anybody's ever written about it that it was involved in the organization if you want to call it that and it is a very dense book it's uh, uh it looks heavy so it, it it actually is heavy <laughs> it feels like it's at least I don't know, five, six pounds. Well, yeah, it's, and it's a big story, so it's yeah. going to take some so time to tell. Tonight, I think we're going to go through a little bit of the history. I'll take you guys through that. And then we're kind of going to go. They released 
they release several books. There's like the gray book. There's the black mm. book and some other writings that they have. But today we're going to go through some history. I'm going to go through kind of some of their basic ideology and a little bit of what they say in the gray book. Perfect. And Perfect. just a disclaimer, this is probably the horniest subject matter, matter we've covered. I've got so, a boner already. Just yeah, thinking about uh, it. So I if, don't know why we need to say like a, a disclaimer. If but. anyone in my family is listening, <laughs> you might not want to hear this one. Oh, um, it's going to, there's. It's going to be graphic. When we start talking about some of their ideals, it's going to be very graphic. Um, so just be prepared for that. If, if, if you have a hard time talking about sex and magic, mm. come back later. Yeah, or, yeah, listen. You know, if cum on the face bothers you, you might want to skip past this one. Can't believe you said that out loud. No, you didn't build up to it or nothing. Was, it's just out there. Where I was going with well, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm giving, I'm giving the people a taste, so if they don't like that, then they need to fucking just stop. Yep. Uh, don't listen to any episodes. <laughs> don't listen to the next couple episodes. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's all. But, <laughs> with, that, uh, with that being said. With that being said. Awesome. Um, thank you very much for the research. And uh, yeah, let's open the gates on this one. see all around as the results of bad magic power used for its own sake potency castrated psychic youth puts across its modern magical message with the aid of all sorts of marketing aids from badges to leaflets to t-shirts and they've released half a dozen albums by their own group psychic tv they've even issued their own manifesto Psychic TV take their mission to inform people about the evil in the world very seriously, even as far as playing tapes at their concerts of Charles Manson and Jim Jones in the throes of a massacre. So far, Strange. Yeah, so in this day and age, it seems like everyone is aware of all the crazy cults that have taken the world by storm since, I mean... Since about the 70s, I think, cults really... I think where they really peaked a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah. kind of blown up like worldwide. So, I mean, we've seen and heard stories of all their crazy views and actions throughout the decades. And bleh, some of the more well-known cults that I believe most people have heard of are the likes of the infamous Manson family, Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Uh, you got Heaven's Gate, David Koresh and the Branch Divinians down in Waco, Texas, and that nightmare that happened. Oh, Jesus. And that's just to name a few in what seems like a never-ending list of crazy shit people get involved in. Um, and it seems like every cult has their thing and their own beliefs, but it seems like they all share at least one thing in common. They all end in just absolute tragedy and loss of human life to senseless violence. And that's either inflicted upon themselves or on others. Yeah. But there is one cult, however, and that is slightly lesser known to the mainstream and doesn't quite fit into the mold of previously mentioned organizations, and that is the Temple of Psychic Youth. And I want to take a minute to shout out Katie for suggesting this to us. Um, I appreciate it. This was definitely the rabbit hole that I'm still currently <laughs> going down. Just when I was looking up clips um, to try to put stuff together, I had to walk away. Like I was slowly, my mind was ebbing somewhere else. Like it, yeah. it's just, you can't wrap your mind around some of 
what this involves. It's just crazy. Yeah, this dude was a a very interesting person, but I think he was really, really fucking smart, too. Um, so the Temple of Psychic Youth was founded in 1981 by a man by the name of Genesis Briar P. Orridge. Uh, his birth name was Neil Andrew Megson, and he was born on February 22nd, 1950 in Manchester, England. And he later adopted the name Genesis Briar P. Orridge after dropping out of the University of Hull and moving into a countercultural commune in London. Genesis was a poet, musician, actor, writer, and above all, an occultist. He cites a couple of his main influences being that of the famed occultist Aleister Crowley. I'm sure you guys mm. have all heard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another man by the name of William S. Burroughs. Uh, Genesis later moved back to Hull and started a controversial music and performance art group called Come Transmissions. And this is spelled C-O-U-M. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> but in all the writings in the Psychic Bible, uh, they they like they'll they misspell words. So like life is spelled like L. Um, Don't they like of is like O V or something yeah, like that actually in there? Yeah, and O V is kind of O V means like ejaculate. Oh, so it's like well, there you go. Yeah, when when we say the temple of psychic youth, it's O V, and that's like their sigil or whatever for hmm. ejaculate. Do, you, do they and ever say why they do that or is it just like an arts thing or is it like a magic thing why it, they misspell words to mean other things and yeah it's they they go very in depth on why they do that and it's kind of hard to explain is because, that a because kind of when you read it it's kind of hard to understand is that an episode two question <laughs> maybe. that may be yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say there's but, kind of a premise for it, but, but so yeah. when they write like become or Anything that like C O M, they always spell everything C O U M, and it's and so I'm assuming that it's pronounced come transmissions, but it's spelled C O U M. So, come hmm. transmissions operated from 1969 through to 1976, and one of their main focuses was to challenge British society and the social norms of the world in general. Uh, they just some of their subjects included sex work, serial killers, pornography, and the occult. Come Transmissions put on a highly controversial show called Prostitute in 1976. It was performed at London's Institute of Contemporary Arts, and the show contained pornographic images of lesbians, arrangements of rusty knives, syringes, bloodied hair, used sanitary napkins. Oh, I saw those videos, by the way. <laughs> God. Okay. Yeah, press Sounds sexy to me. Yeah. Then. Press clippings and other Nothing photos. wrong so far. Yeah. <laughs> All just a regular old day walk in the park. And uh, there were other photos of cum performances in Milan and Paris. Now, they, they try to classify this all really like as art, right? Like, yeah, hey, yeah, this like is performance yeah. art. Yeah, yeah, this is, is all You can't take this art. away from us. This is creativity. Yeah, and, and they, yeah. They, would do it on the, they would do it on the streets. And it's, it's all like highly uh, controversial performance art. Mm-hmm. And they, they really like to push the barriers and push things to the limit. And especially like... They were just anti-society isn't the isn't the no, right word or the right way to describe it, but they wanted to go against social norms. Yeah, they were trying to subvert like your typical boring square ass life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they think everybody just kind of is submissive to what everyone thinks is socially acceptable, and everyone you know eventually fits in that mold. And they were kind of 
giving the middle finger to that and being like, no, we're not going to suppress ourselves. We're going to express ourselves how we want to. And we are going to bring some ugly things out into the open. Yeah. And John, let me know when you want to um, get into that. I mean, this is kind of, you're taking the show. Um, I did manage to find an advertisement that it's a little long, but it really explains exactly that. This is who they are. This is what they believe in. Um, just kind of lay it out. And this was a public announcement that they had to kind of, you know, drum up whatever they're doing. So okay. let, me, let me know wherever that works. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Was that with uh come transmissions or is that just Topi in general? Uh, it's Topi in general. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Prostitute made mainstream England lose their goddamn minds. Soon after the show, tabloids and newspapers all over England wrote about their outrage, and the notorious show even attracted the attention of politicians in the UK, including a guy, a, a Tory MP, Nicholas Fairbairn, who referred to come as "quote unquote" the wreckers of civilization. <laughs> the a little harsh of civilization, <laughs> which is amazing. I want somebody to call me the wrecker of civilization. Oh, I'd, I'd but, fucking tattoo that shit. But you know, I'm just not as controversial <laughs> and out there as uh, Genesis. I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You also, see, you've seen interviews of this guy. Performance art. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Um, however controversial the show was, it actually boosted the membership of the Institute of Contemporary Arts, which is pretty awesome. So even yeah, that is way cool. Yeah, even mm -hmm. the, even the proper Brits like their fair of sex and provocativeness. Um, the Come Transmissions catapulted Genesis name into the public in the early part of his life. That was kind of what got his name out there and what kind of made everybody realize, you know. At least put his name on the street a little bit, and and I think with uh, a whole records of civilization, I, I he earned that well. If that was <laughs> yeah. that was the case, even from the beginning, I mean, it was yeah. He's definitely out there, and he wasn't afraid really to do anything. And it didn't stop. That's the thing. I, and you're going to cover this, but it just you know, looking just breezing through this, it amazed me. Uh, the uh, yeah. Anyway, the guy. Yeah. Uh, their last performance took place in 1976, and out of the ashes of cum came Genesis' highly influential industrial band named... Anybody want to guess? Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. the name still baffles me. Throbbing Gristle? Mm, that hot. doesn't sound sexy to you? No? Not, well, eh, a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I mean, throbbing anything sounds sexy to me, I guess. Yeah, you really could put that in front of any word. Absolutely. Throbbing apron, throbbing dog. No, maybe not dog. Throbbing dog. Most other words are fine, not dog. Let's take Actually, I pet your dog the other day, and it was kind of throbbing. <laughs> he was so throbbing. I, yeah, I, I stopped. He likes you. Tony, Tony likes you. Hey, I like Tony, too, but not in that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he brought along a few members of the Come Transmission days into his new musical venture, including a couple guys by the name of Chris Carter, not the same Chris Carter as the X-Files, Oh, good clarification. Or my okay. or my boss. Um, Peter Sleazy Christofferson and one of P. Orge's right hand ladies, Fanny Tuddy, who later uh who would later be an instrumental member of the Temple of Psychic Youth. And I am purposefully saying the. I'm not saying the because they use yeah. it's the gray book, it's the black book, yeah. it's the temple of psychic youth. Um they never say the really uh, and that's just their their deal. Yeah. So um, 1977 saw Throbbing Gristle's first album entitled The Second Annual Report. And following their debut album, they put out several more studio and live albums. That is a great 
fucking title for a debut album. <laughs> the <laughs> <know>. second annual. <laughs> that is actually pretty odd. I was uh, actually kind of confused by that. I'm like, wait, their first album is called The Second Annual Report. That's funny. Yeah, they put out uh, several more studio albums. DOA, the third and final report of Throbbing Gristle, <laughs> which is also <laughs> just like their second record. And they were put out more. So that came out in 78. 20 Jazz Funk Greats, 1979, uh, which I have a feeling none of that was jazz. No? You don't think so? I, I just have a feeling. Very avant-garde is what this, yeah. <laughs> this whole thing is. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Heathen Earth, which that's that record sounds more... Like what you would think Throbbing like, Gristle would, would put out? Yeah. Heathen Earth makes sense. Not 20 Jazz Funk Greats? I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't agree with you, sir. I think maybe <laughs> it should be the other way around. Yeah. Heathen Earth uh, came out in 1980. Um, they actually self-released all of those records on their own label called Industrial Records, which that is also a fitting name for. You know what? And that's something that I guess I was kind of surprised with when you were talking about this and doing the research is that, you know, like industrial music to me isn't this. Like I've never heard of this. I mean, I, I picture – you know, and nowadays, obviously, you know, Mystery, Nine Inch Nails. This is um, KMFD. You know, those are more than industrial. KMFDM. KMFDM, sorry. Yeah. These are more than industrial that I, I just, and again, I never heard. And I think I, if it was me, I classify this, again, more avant-garde than I would anything. But, mm. I mean, I get it after listening to some clips. I mean, you know. Um, I've only heard of them because I uh, had an old roommate, Sam, hi, if you're listening, um, that was way into throbbing gristle and like talked about them all the time, but I never really no listened shit. to him. That's crazy. Do we want to listen to him? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, of sample? course. Let's, let's, let's check it out. We got a sample of throbbing gristle. Um, just so you guys have an idea of <laughs> what we're discussing. Here we go. I don't know if you guys knew what that song was called or understood. It's I, called Discipline. I kind of liked it. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Definitely <laughs> sounds like early industrial. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that was cool. Like, yeah, uh, it was. It was like uh, my life with the Thrill Kill Cult, but like way less annoying. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> good so maybe comparison. not something I would put on while I'm doing the dishes on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, but, but like, if I'm working out, maybe get get your head bobbing, keep you. But maybe if I'm gonna put on some six-inch platform combat boots and well, and it, it was dye my hair black and hit Area 51, I might be. Uh, <laughs> That's what you run into Area 51 on playing I, that I, song. They I think so. are doing like. Uh, this is a club that's been around oh, yeah, forever not, in not Salt Lake City. Not the actual military installation area, and uh, they're doing like a new like dark 80s like goth like 
Oh, I saw that. Party on Friday nights, and I think I'm going to fucking check that out. No, let me know if you do. I, I think it's kind of cool. It was weird watching it when I was doing the clips on that because just seeing them up there on the stage, like they literally are, are – there's one song that some somebody in the band was stomping their foot, and they wanted to include that and made that as part of the rhythm – they're not even playing the guitars. They're laid on their lap, and they're just beating the guitars. He's dressed in this. Well, it's a dress. I mean, yeah. and you know, yeah. he, he's just a, very. He's a we'll hydrogenous. Is that the word? Hydrogenous. Uh, pan, pan, yeah, he's, in, he's into pandrogyny. Like he doesn't yeah. consider himself man or woman. He kind of considers himself both. Uh, yeah. And that's actually, we'll get into that. I think that's going to be uh, a little more into yeah, the these are part two. Part We're not going to quite get into that quite yet. Yeah, uh, this part's mainly to set the scene, right? Yeah, we're setting the scene on part Quite one. a spectacle, Just, though, when they do the live. I, oh, I will I'm be honest with I'm you. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, actually, that's kind of their, that's what they were known for. They were known for using highly subversive images in their shows and artworks. Um, they even use like crazy shit like fascist and Nazi symbolism along with like pornography. Uh, they, I don't think any subject was too taboo for them to really tap into and to just blast in your face. You know, as we heard, they utilize noise into their underground sound and often use samples of William S. Burroughs and Brian Geeson and. Throbbing Gristle actually lasted from 75 until 1981 before they went their separate ways, like most bands do after any amount of expensive, extensive time spent together. Even just any yeah. amount of ex of time in the fucking practice space. Yeah, I know. Well, you can only stand <laughs> sitting in a van with certain individuals for so long before you just tell you about done. want to rip your hair out and scream. <laughs> uh, fair enough. But uh, needless to say, Throbbing Gristle left their mark on underground music, specifically in the industrial scene. And some say they are good, the godfathers of industrial music, and I think it'd be hard to find anyone that would disagree with that statement. Yeah, we're going to go to a quick break, but uh, I, I did catch something. I, 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 you didn't cover anything else with the William S. Burroughs, did you? No. And, okay. So Please. what was really kind of cool was he... He so he befriended um, Orage, befriended William S. Burroughs, and this guy would like clip these things together, like he'd record things randomly for no reason. Him opening letters and him singing into it, then it would end, and and so it took him. It took Orage seven years, but after seven years, William S. Burroughs decided to, okay, I'll give you all my tapes, and he gave them to him. They're not labeled, they're not listed, they're just a big pile of shit that they hours and hours and hours. Well, there's actually an album. Um, that is just William S. Burroughs' tapes that are just one after another. And they're just clips. And this seemed to be like something that, like when we talk about part two, is going to be with the other person and what he did and where he went. Everything, it's clip art in a way. Like how he did things, how he laid everything out. Um, and I listened to some clips of that. And it, um, yeah, it's interesting. Because it's all the way from the 50s, some of the recordings that William S. Burroughs did. Yeah. Just... Uh, just crazy. Anyway, quick little mention. That is, that is. I would like to hear that actually. Yeah, um, we're gonna go to a quick break and then we will be back. Stand by. Good evening, ma'am. Hey, y'all. What can I do you for? Can I have a glass of Chardonnay? I'm sorry, darling. We don't serve that here. Any Merlot? I'm pretty sure you don't want these feet going nowhere near them grapes. 
Alrighty, how about a craft beer? Oh yeah, we got plenty of craft beer. Which one you want? No, not crap beer. Craft beer. Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm pretty sure the bar down the street serves that. Okay, well, what do you serve? I'm glad you asked. Welcome to the Backwoods Barcast. We serve up moonshine, cheap beer, bottom shelf liquor, and stories even harder to swallow. Join Nick and Brittany and the janitor Stephen as we discuss southeastern mysteries and mayhem, including but not limited to UFOs, true crime, the paranormal, and much more. So knock four times, grab a stool, let the bar talk commence, and as always, drink more beer. All right, so we just came back to the break, and uh, we were actually talking before that about that collaboration with William S. Burroughs yeah. and the clip method that they do. Um, the, <laughs> this one actually blew And I mind. mean, essentially, it's just sampling. It, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think in the day, it didn't exist. You know, this might have been something that maybe yeah, when it, we talk it, about it, industrial music, it, it's... It was in know. its infant. Sampling was in yeah. its infancy. Right, right. Well, just so you guys know what we're talking about, here is uh, 45, 50 seconds of what um, what they did together. And again, it took seven years, I think, for Ori to talk. William S. Burroughs and actually doing this. So wow. here we go. Can play the game as well as you, darling. Trade whistle, open shirt, flapping. I diddle, diddle, the can and the fiddle. The summons melted into air. The driver shrugged. Such people made in Paris 1961. Mr. Bradley, Mr. Barton. Fell where his shadow, muttering the time had come for him to forbear. My blood whom I created, you are your... I had a dog, his name was Bill, a working cloud of me, tearing his insides apart. Need a helping hand, understanding out of date. Find someone else at this time of day. It's a long way to go. Someone walking won't be too... Kind of wild. Wow. <laughs> I want a dog named Bill. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure we can make that happen. Yeah, I guess I can go to the Humane Society and get one. But uh Yeah, that was wild. That was yeah, fun. Uh, it just it was neat hearing the story because literally it was a matter of he befriended him and you know how long it took him to do that. This I guess William just thought he had nothing. Mm-hmm. Like he had all these tapes that were just absolutely and and again, not labeled. You know, and then he showed with more after the fact. It took him hours and weeks, almost months, to go through everything. And then when they were done with everything, William S. Burroughs says, "Oh, I found some more," and threw some more. <laughs> so you're 47 minutes of that. I I don't know if I have the patience for it. Yeah, but weirdly, it was strangely entertaining. Yeah, I had a dog named Bill, and its centers <laughs> were ripped out. Maybe that's uh, why I like Tom Waits and all that. I love eclectic music. Don't get me wrong, but this is really far out. It's definitely music. It is definitely far out there. It's yeah. interesting though. I, and artists are naturally weird. Well, you know, they yeah. they definitely think outside the box, and the true artists and the good artists definitely do. And sometimes it's like, well. It could be amazing just because nobody gets it doesn't mean it's 
not awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And I think honestly, and, and this might come up a couple times, so listeners excuse us, but you know, this guy, Orage, he just he really had that. Like I he like you said in the beginning, I think he was a weird little genius in his own right. No matter what people thought about him, about what he had with the pornography and the sex and the, like, that was his outlet and that's what he drove. But, you know, what he was behind and what he was involved with, I mean, my God, could you imagine living a life like that? Yeah. And then just like, Jesus. The more I look into this guy, um, so Shane is referring to him as Orage, which is correct. Um, But I, I... I'm just referring to him at, with his first name, Genesis. Genesis. So yeah. if you hear anybody refer Genesis or Orage, not to make anybody confused, it's the same person. Yeah, sorry. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm kind of going first name, and I've noticed you're going last name. Well, it's I fine. think Genesis, that wasn't from the beginning, was it? Or His I name is sure. Genesis Briar P. Orage. Yeah. Is the dude's name. Okay. It's a pretty confusing. But I thought Genesis was added like after he met Lady J, which we'll cover... Or is that always there? Um, I, I, you know what? That's the thing. I don't know. I know that's his Here we full go. name. That's why we're talking about this. And I mean, what I found is he changed his name to Genesis Briar P. Orge. Um, okay. Fair. I, I, I know. Uh, yeah, I think one of his kids is called, uh, is named Genesee or something like that. It's it's in here. We'll, we'll get to that. We're kind of jumping yeah. ahead. Yeah. But, so all of these projects, we've got the cum transmissions, we have uh, Throbbing Gristle, and that brings us to the year 1981. So with Throbbing Gristle being a thing of the past, Genesis formed a new band called Psychic TV. And I don't know if this is worthy of pointing out, but they do spell psychic wrong. I saw that. Yeah. They, yeah. they spell it with a CK, and that goes back to them spelling like everything wrong. But still, like like the C O U M, they like anything like become. Um, there's other words in the book, and I just can't think of them. But they like start like with with C O M, but it's always C O U M. But psychic psychic is spelled with a C K at the end. So well, I think this is going to be the theme for everything. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, really, the theme that they wanted to think, you know, layman's terms, out of the box. Mm-hmm. This is what. He wanted to accomplish. This is what his followers wanted to accomplish. Everything wasn't, you know, you're not going to work every day and doing this every day and stuck in this routine and this, every, it's got to be different. We're thinking, again, avant-garde. And I think that's probably a lot where that stems from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, started that new band called Psychic TV. And with Psychic, Psychic TV, Genesis created kind of a social experiment, if you will, uh, almost a new religion but it had no dogmatic practices and where there were no followers, only leaders and where they believed heavily in rituals and chaos magic, this quote unquote social experiment or what some would call and rightfully so a full blown cult was dubbed the temple of psychic youth or Topi for short. But so we talked about this before we started recording, like to me, they don't exhibit any of your typical like cult behaviors. No one is claiming to be the Messiah. No one is saying you all have to follow me. No one right, is saying, right. give me all your fucking money. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you actually yeah. when you brought that up. I'm like, yeah, well this isn't really a cult. To me, it sounds more like weird people fucking and trying to do magic, which sounds awesome. And, well, that, and that's why I call yeah. it a social experiment. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. Because that was him being a very eclectic, uh, 
artist being out there, pushing the boundaries of what is right and wrong, pushing the boundaries of art and, right. you know, like... Uh, yeah, and trying to upturn societal norms. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that didn't change from... From what it sounds like, that didn't change from uh, come transmissions to uh, Topi. Like, mm-hmm. they're still, like, saying, hey, you don't have to be a worker bee. You can be your own person. Yeah. yeah. Like, and and uh, that's very good points. Although I will say, um, so when I was collecting some eclipse on this thing, there was one called Nursery Sigils that was directly from the uh, what they were doing for the church. And <laughs> when you talk about culture, you talk about, you know, procedures, rituals, chaos magic. The guy shows up, he's got a triangle, there's candles, he's naked, he comes in, it's all being recorded. He gets down, he pulls pubes out, he lays it on a paper. Like it's this big thing. So I think when we talk cults, that might be where that they're looking at that possibly. No. I mean that's I think that's well, where if pe- they're looking at that they're wrong. But that's that, not what a cult does. But that's where the mainstream The cult has they, rituals. A cult has rituals. But this is where this is where the mainstream, the people that they are against, the whole mainstream, the whole fitting into the norm, the whole fitting. That's where these type of square people look into something that isn't part of their society, isn't part of their herd, something that's weird out there. And they go, oh, all these people are doing this. All these people are into the fucking sex and jacking off on people's faces. Like, so it's got to be this. that is a cult. Because it's a group of people doing things. Yeah, because it's a group of people we but don't that, understand yeah, doing things that we are, don't understand. That, that are square people labeling people they don't understand. Yeah. Okay, I don't sure. want to misidentify this social experiment as a cult mm-hmm. as far as us talking about it. Because yeah. I, unless there's a bombshell that we're going to get to, I don't think it is. No, honestly, I don't think this... That Well, and that's why I said in my intro, this isn't your typical cult this isn't your jim jones and the psychic temple this isn't your david koresh this is a different quote-unquote cult this okay. is this is a completely different type of deal okay fair enough but it can fall under the umbrella of a bunch of people buying into very interesting towards the mainstream way of thinking well, so I mean, not everybody's strange ar- ideas. Yeah, sure. strange yeah. ideas. Not everybody's going around fucking trying to do some weird ritual magic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's Maybe the they thing: they are in their own right in their own religion, but so here's the thing with that too. You know, the whole word occult, which mm-hmm. cult is based off of, yeah. means hidden knowledge or something mysterious. That's yes. the whole basis of that word. So when yes. I bring up that example about what that person did, da, 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 you bring up the example of the sex and that that falls under that realm. It's just people, the norms aren't understanding that. Yeah. And so that's what they classify that as. And so that's how that falls into that pill box, yes. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, anyway. And, you know, this Genesis dude, he's not Jim Jones. He's not Charles Manson, even though he really was fascinated with those people. Right. But, I mean, so is pretty much everybody. Yeah. I mean, who isn't? Who isn't? But, um, and now, a personal message from the Temple of Psychic Youth. We have reached a crisis point. We are aware that whole areas of our experience of life are missing. We are faced with a storm of the fiercest strength known. We are faced with a debasement of man to a creature without feelings, without knowledge, and pride of self. We are faced with dissolution far more complete than death, a new dark age. We have been conditioned, encouraged, and blackmailed 
into self-restriction, into a narrower and narrower perception of ourselves, our importance, and our potential. All this constitutes a psychic attack of the highest magnitude. Acceptance is defeat. Resistance is dangerous and unpredictable. But for those who realize the totality of defeat, resistance must be the only option conceivable. Right now, you have these alternatives. To remain fierce, forever part of a sleeping world. To gradually abandon the hopes and dreams of childhood. To be permanently addicted to the drug of the commonplace. Or to fight alongside us in the temple of psychic youth, a new way on. The Temple of Psychic Youth has been convened in order to act as a catalyst and focus for the individual development of all those who wish to reach inwards and strike out. Maybe you are one of these, already feeling different, dissatisfied, separate from this mass around you, instinctive and alert. You are already one of us. The first you have this message is a start in itself. Don't think we're going to tell you what to do, what to be. The world is full of institutions that would be delighted if you thought and did exactly what they told you. The Temple of Psychic Youth is not and never will be one of them. We offer no dogmas and no promises of comfort or easy answers. You're going to have to find out yourself. We offer only the method of survival. As a true being, we give you back to yourself. We support your individuality in which the spirit and will united burn with passion and pride. Our function is to direct and support. Work that is needlessly repeated is simply wasteful. Accordingly, we'll be making public books, manuscripts, and other recordings of our progress in various formats, video, and audio. These do not contain meaningless dogma, but are examples of our interests and beliefs in action. They are made not as entertainment, but as experience, not the mundane experience of day-to-day -day routine, but of the spirit and will triumphant. So Toby's goal, I believe, was to have the individual person seek a new enlightenment and to find a new freedom within themselves and break the chains of what society deemed to be proper and appropriate. No, that that sounded awesome. I'm like, where where do I sign up? Oh, yeah. Um, I know the whole idea. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. To drive these points home and to better explain how one would seek such an enlightenment, Toby produced a quote-unquote sacred text called The Gray Book. The Gray Book is basically the outline of Toby's belief system and the, I don't know, I, I, the best word I could find for it was the anti-structure they hope to accomplish. Kind yeah. of the breakdown Dude, of uh, normalcy? Yeah. Like Maybe it was the music that we were playing underneath you reading that, but it reminded me a lot of uh, that documentary I told you to watch, The Institute, of like oh, doing yeah, yeah, the yeah. exact same shit, like a social experiment to get people out of the ruts of their everyday lives and stuff. So I don't know. Anyway, Very, sorry, very similar. I mean, really, I think it's similar. But so. honestly, I agree with you, Josh. After, after reading like the first part of this book and reading The Gray Book, uh, Topi had me convinced. Yeah. Like, and the opening of the sacred text starts out like this. We are not seeking followers. We are seeking collaborators, individuals for a visionary psychic alliance. What we suggest next is not instruction. It is method, a method which can be used by anyone, alone with friends, regardless of any material or social circumstances. 
a method to be used by the individual to break through to their deeper consciousness where fantasies, ambitions, and real wishes reside, the place where all dreams meet. Okay. Mm. All right. I'm like, see? I mean, dream theater? Like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's that the fucking coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like, right. And you know what? The fact that, like, this dude, like, nobody died in this. It gets a little hairy, and there's actually some crazy accusations that happen that, okay. that will get into the second part of this. But as far as, like, what they're all about, like, kind of their mission statement, and their mission statement's fucking 500 pages long. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, necess- I mean, not necessarily. Not like I the mean, Boy Scouts. Is it longer than the Boy Scouts, John? <laughs> mission statement's supposed to be about, like, four sentences. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know, right? not really. I mean, this the psychic Bible is, like, not only Genesis writings, but a bunch of other people's writings that were yeah. involved in it. Like, it's the culmination of all of it. But um, the Gray Book is kind of, like, their, their whole thing. And um, these methods that they go on to describe... Uh, might be alarming to some, if not most people. Uh, Genesis liked sex. Uh, Obviously. He, he liked it a lot. <laughs> Does it make you randy? <laughs> um, and he held a great sort of reverence for the orgasm. He describes the orgasm as a great liberator. Goes on to say, even if only for a few moments, individuals can release a power and energy from within that renders any system of society or regime meaningless. Even an individual in solitary confinement can indulge in it and in their fantasies travel into any situation and possibility unfettered and, at the moment of orgasm itself, be both blissfully vulnerable and undeniably free, elsewhere filled by energy. You know, I'm on board with that because I like orgasming as well. Yeah. It, it, are we all? <laughs> not a fan, honestly. Yeah, right. Not a fan. Uh, not a big fan. Yeah, you know, I can, I can take it or leave it. um you know he continues to go on about uh his thoughts on sperm in a passage called the supreme homage Hmm. and i would like to take a minute just to kind of read the supreme homage because there's no way you can really get the full monty of this whole thing without really just reading from the words of the right of the book because we can we can go on to describe it but there's no better describing it than the actual text from the book. What a beautiful legend is that of Danae, locked up by a father who preferred in this way to save her from men, and whom Zeus sprinkled with a rain of gold to make her fertile. Even more precise is the symbolism of the Rig Veda, in which we may read the following words, O Lord, spray us with the milk of heaven. People speak too much about penis envy and not all about sperm envy. There is something here that is highly suspicious, as if it was impossible to admit that a woman expects a man to give her that which remains feminine in him by its symbolism, the milk of his pleasure. It is most certainly not the only approach possible, but it remains nonetheless an inescapable one. The milk of a man, the sap that she desires, is not only the life, but the hope of eternity, lined with fearsome death. As in the Eucharist, this is my body, this is my blood. Like a mantis, the mistress religiously devours her lover, and by taking and drinking his pleasure, makes it her own. 
but the ritual becomes incomparably deeper in signification, infinitely more secret, when paradoxically the semen is not ingested but spread, dispersed, sown to the four winds over the loved one's body. The disappearance, the burying of the sperm in the feminine body, whatever the whole used, is for us somehow directly comprehensible in its symbolism. But when, on the contrary, it is ostensibly shown, everything becomes murky and confusion takes hold of us. Through the humiliation inflicted on her, the lover also honors the one he has taken for his own. In the same way an animal marks out his territory with his secretions, so the beloved becomes his territory. When a man comes and a woman, whatever the receptacle used, a doubt always subsists. Would not a hole in some inert but well-lubricated material have sufficed to satisfy something which is, after all, rather an animal desire? But on the contrary, when he comes on the face of his partner, it is an explicit, visible homage he is making to her power of seduction, to her person, to that which is unique in her. I just heard come on her face. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, all you guys took away was come on her face. Hey, not you guys. <laughs> yeah, he's not lumped into that, evidently. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, just... Uh, um, okay. Amazing. You no, know, it's it's weird given his pandrogyny that it that seems slightly sexist a little bit. Uh, like I get where he's coming from, where uh, where he's coming yeah. from. Where <laughs> <laughs> I get I get that he's like talking about like sex, especially if you're talking about sex magic is not just solely for making babies and all. Oh that, yeah, no, know? there's so much more to it. Um, sounds like his pullout game was strong. Um, well, I mean, he had two kids, so it couldn't have been well, that strong. I mean, yeah. was he making magic or making babies? A little bit of both, I, I assume. Yeah, but I yeah, saw one of know, his uh, he, he girls. Just, he just, he takes the act of, like, orgasming. Like, he thinks, like, while you're orgasming, you should focus on, like, and this kind of, I think, comes into, like, a little bit of the magic and the level of intention you have and like that's when you're most like that's when your body is most at like and so if you <laughs> did you just do that i guess so i don't know <laughs> but like if you put he thinks like if you put all your intent and all your all your energy into that orgasm then that will in turn make things a reality sure and somehow like in your sperm there is life but there's also death. Wow. Okay. That's kind of deep. That ruins a whole humor movie. Because I mean, within within life there is death. You can't have life without death. It's got to be both. Yeah. It has no, to be. No, I get both. that. I get that. There's no way not There's no way to have one without the other. Yeah. To have death you need life and to, with life you need death. Well, with that note, we're going to go on a break. We're going to come back and wrap some of this stuff up. Um, my mind's swimming a little bit. Oh, man, we so, haven't even gotten to um, one of yeah, the... Yeah, we're not even halfway done, homie. One, yeah. of, one of the coolest rituals. We haven't even gotten to cover a that? badass ritual. So let's well, get let's take a break. There you go. Let's take a tasty break. <laughs> Stand by, guys. If you 
like podcasts and you like science. Come on, baby, listen to us. Oh my god, is that good? <laughs> yeah, that was that was epic. Listen to the Mad Scientist podcast. On all of your iTunes and other listening things, I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. And we sing. We sing. We sing a lot. We sing for science. Yes. We talk about science. We talk about history. We talk about ghosts and monsters and UFOs and things. And it's a lot of fun. So come learn about ghosts and UFOs and physics and chemistry and a little bit of biology and about economic collapse on the Mad Scientist podcast. Oh my god! So yeah, that was the supreme homage. What'd you guys? What'd you guys think? Oof! I'm into it. Yeah. Well, as I stated before, they heavily believed in ritual to accomplish their deepest desires, and honestly, those desires didn't have to be specifically of a sexual nature either. They could be like whatever you most desired in life, but. Yeah, I yeah. think they focused on sex, but there was other ones from what I could gather. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, just whatever you wanted to accomplish in your life could, right? You could do a ritual for it, and yeah, and I mean, from my very, very limited understanding of chaos magic, I was going to say, yeah, sex that, magic and yeah. all of the actual magics. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of different rituals and ways to get to what you want. I mean. For, and what you want isn't always necessarily banging. Yeah, jizz for the uh, raise you want at work. I'm gonna jizz for. <laughs> I'm gonna make a voodoo doll. I'm gonna jizz, little jizz for, on it. I'm gonna jizz for America. <laughs> I'm gonna jizz to get put Patreon that on a hat. Rich. <laughs> so one way in achieving these goals was to perform the ritual of quote the sigil of three liquids, and like I said before, Ew. of is O V and of means ejaculate male or female okay so good we're we're equals in this then yeah okay so take i feel better about that so stole or well josh is going to take us through basically the ritual of this and it's better left read from the mouth of babes well (laughs) i am you know a child or super sexy we'll never know which one anyway The Sigil of Three Liquids. This ritual should be performed alone on the 23rd of the month, beginning at 2300 hours, in a place where you will have no interruptions or distractions. Within the limits of what is practical, you should arrange the environment and atmosphere to be as conducive as possible to the execution of the sigil for yourself. If at all possible, a candle or candles should be the only source of light. This sigil must, must, be performed naked. One of the aims of the ritual is to concentrate your attention and energy on your most intense sexual fantasy. To do this, you must first decide what it is and write it down on a piece of paper. It should be what you think would generate in you the maximum possible excitement, pleasure, and fulfillment, regardless of the identity, sex, or age of those who take part with you, alive and guiltless. It is essential to be completely honest with yourself and not write something because you think it might satisfy other people. Remember that the purpose of the sigil is to make these things really happen. Once you have written the fantasy on the piece of paper, you have to make the paper special. To do this, it must be touched by three liquids of the body. 
that is spit, blood, and of, which is the temple name for the fluid obtained by masturbation, semen from the male, and lubrication from the female. For example, first let a few drops of spit fall onto the page, and next a few drops of blood. You must use some kind of sharp and clean instrument to do this. Remember that only a small quantity is required, and you should use your common sense in terms of the method (laughs) employed and of the hygiene both before and after the ritual. Lastly, and in any way that is most pleasurable to you, bring yourself to orgasm and allow the of to touch the paper. While you're doing this, concentrate not only on the inscribed fantasy, but also on the idea of the temple, capital T, and the fact that doing this sigil is inevitably bringing you closer to what you really want. You must then attach a lock of your hair from your head and also some of your pubic hair to the paper. Remember that these two hair types and three liquids may be incorporated on the sigil paper in any manner that feels appropriate to the thoughts thereon described. The basic actions outlined should not be seen as a limitation. Leave the sigil paper overnight to dry in a safe place. On the next day, send it to the temple. You do not have to attach your name to the sigil paper if you don't want to. All submissions to the temple will remain at all times absolutely confidential and will be stored in a locked vault. All applicants who complete this satisfactorily will receive personal encouragement, suggestions, and directions for the subsequent month's ritual. Completion of 23 such monthly rituals qualifies one as a full initiate of the temple. Yeah. So that's what you got to do. So keep it in a safe place, like at the bank uh, or in a safe. Deposit or, box. I mean, just, know, just somewhere where just wherever, make sure the kids aren't taking it to school. Yeah, or okay. where someone's All not right. going to throw it in the trash because it's a weird, wadded up, hey, disgusting look, piece of paper. There's pubes know. with this yeah, weird what, shit. What God's name is this trash? <laughs> and, you know, just where anybody won't find it. And then you can take it to or mail it, really, to the <laughs> temple. Mail it. COD. I mean, before we started doing this podcast, honestly, like I didn't know much about like, quote unquote, real magic. Mm-hmm. And the more I learn about it, the more fascinating I think it is. Like, it's super fucking interesting. It is. Like, it is. The, the intent and the rituals. Like, I, I know I told you guys the story of me yelling at the poor girl from PBS all drunk because that they kept playing oh, we that remember. special the power of intention <laughs> but now i'm just like holy shit was pbs like fucking trying to shove magic down my drunk ass throat pulling out pubes and calling you <laughs> could, could that mean, be intention is the power of intention is very powerful it, I it, think. if you are behind it absolutely like chaos magic like you were saying josh i think there's something to be said about that if you really have the positive the positivity behind chaos magic and what it is like it really can, it just. I mean, drives my. Uh, and you know, this can be so simple, and somebody could argue, well, that's just you. You know, manifesting something like, if I go, I'm going to be a fucking bum, and I'm going to be the best bum there is. I could lose my house, I could lose yeah. all that, you know. But if I go, you know, I want a house, I want the dumb truck, I want to be, you know, I want to be yeah. successful in this capitalist world and you really visualize it, you visualize it, you visualize it and you do and you do and you do. You're going to make that happen. Is that magic? Maybe it's not. It's called fucking ambition. But How's that sound? And and ambition, you know, but like with intention as well. Like I feel like I've gotten a lot farther in my musical career 
by power of intention. Like Honest, just because you believed you would. Yeah. yeah. Because Honestly, you have faith in yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, you, and you put in the work, but you also believed that you would yeah. get and, the opportunity. Exactly. Right? Like it was hard work and I put in a ton of hard work and I put in a little bit of luck and I put in a lot of intention and I always saw myself being successful. Even and I when, think even, that's even, the key. Even when I was playing in front of two people in Keokuk, Iowa, I saw myself as being a successful musician. And, yeah. you know, later on down the road, I was. I mean, it, like we're getting into like the secret territory. Sure. Which and, I, I don't, I don't know. And that I'm one's not, hard and, for me because yeah, I feel I'm, like that's a scam, but we, also. And, yeah. And we're definitely getting off track a little bit, but I think the power of intention could be considered, you know, magic. And, it, and, it, and I think there's some validity to it. I, I don't think that's as far off track as you think it is. I yeah. mean, really, I think no matter what nomenclature you have behind it, whether it's magic or intention, ambition, it's still, you know, we are our own driving force, mm-hmm. right? If we have to be. Yeah. We visualize it. We see something. That's what we want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't want to be this, living in a trailer house and whatever have you, we don't want to have, you know, a, a dead-end job. We can't go anywhere. If you really have that ambition, you're going to change that around. You're going to make that worth something. Yep. And ninety percent of the time, it works. Absolutely. So, and you know, so here's a quote as well. So, most people, little by little, eliminate the personalities considered to be dangerous by their peer group or societal unit, and finally keep only the social personality. They are one-dimensional, flat people, but other people called paradoxically individuals, quote-unquote, are always trying to develop all their personalities, even if there is an internal conflict between them. So we can clearly see that the individual person logically must use we to name themselves, whilst the person who belongs to the masses must use the I. The first is multidimensional. The second is unidimensional. One of the temple functions is to encourage and support the development of multidimensional dimensional individuals. Hence, our use of we in our texts. Our enemies are flat. And I think that sums up really what he was trying to go for. And again, it'll be in part two, but a lot of that, how do you make that oneness? Mm-hmm. Like he was all for that. He was all for making oneness somehow. Yeah. Where it was just, you know, it wasn't an individual. We are all... Yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy, crazy. And so, like I said, I wanted to kind of focus this part one on just kind of their basic manifesto, which I find is the gray book. Like, if if you really wanted to know what Topi was all about, just basically in their ideals, you know, minus the story of what all the individuals did, is you would read this. And I, they were very much against organized religion, and as am I. Uh, religion uses fear of death to justify faith. They seek to fear and control the masses. Religion requires only blind faith in exchange for guaranteed hope and salvation. It denies death and avoids the facts. In short, religion turns away from the truth. The temple turns towards it. If you face yourself, you face death. And in this way, only you can reintegrate your entire character and all its levels of consciousness and perception. So while reading through the gray book, a couple of paragraphs really stood out to me and it's how they decided to end the first part of their quote unquote sacred texts. And I couldn't relate to these anymore. And like we said before, after reading this, I was like, yeah, sign me up where, where do I sign? Like, 
You guys are doing weird shit musically and uh, thinking out of the box constantly. You yeah, know? like I just think it's so cool. Um, you know, minus the the sexual stuff that I may or may not be into. Well, that's still cool too. I was gonna say. Yeah, but um, this is kind of how they wrap up the gray book, and I love it. And I'm gonna read a little bit of it, but it's from a child of five to an adult is a short step. From a newborn baby to a child of five is an appalling distance. And that is a quote from Tolstoy that Mm. I think is... That's cool. That's fucking cool. I love it. Religion invades the child's world. A child without guilt is thus given guilt. A child without fear is thus given fear. The only salvation offered is through faith. Faith, it is suggested, ends death. The price of cheating death through faith is, of course, submission. Fear is a very powerful tool. All you have to do is look at the state of the world right now. For example, fear turns rational people into very irrational people, almost operating on a very animalistic instinct. I mean, you just have to look. Yeah. You just have to look on Facebook or turn on the news right now to see how fear can control <laughs> go to the toilet paper aisle of your <laughs> and i was gonna say right now fears yeah that's, that's exactly what i'm saying i mean yep. this is just now where the state of the world is right now fear is a perfect example of how it's controlling everyone's lives so hmm. yeah i mean uh they close it out by saying fear breeds faith faith uses fear reject faith Reject fear, reject religions, and reject dogma. Learn to cherish yourself. Appreciate intuition and instinct. Learn to love your questions. Value your time. Use mortality to motivate action and a caring, compassionate, and concentrated life. And if that doesn't resonate with you in some aspect, I don't know what would. No, no, exactly. I mean, you know, like when I read that, I was just like, Ugh. Like I, I feel like that's some of the most brilliant shit I've ever read. Do, uh, it reminds me of the Benny Gesserit Whitney against fear from Frank Herbert's classic Dune, that says, uh, "I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone." There will be nothing. Only I will remain. Like, yeah, I love that. That could fucking be in that fucking. Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, yeah, that could go in that, and it wouldn't miss a beat. I think what's funny when you look at this and you hear that quote: "Fear breeds faith." Mm-hmm. That is absolutely. It cannot be said any better. Yeah, because it does. We don't know what thousands and thousands of years ago. We don't know what happens. We, we don't know what this is. We don't know what this yeah. is. We're gonna make some. We're gonna see something, and all of a sudden, now we have this. We got to build behind it. Well, you're you know, the same thing. All organized religions. Yeah, you're supposed to fear death. Yeah, and the only salvation through death is faith. Yep. And you know. They say you, you you have to submit to faith. You have to do you have to be on the whim of whatever your religion says you need to do. Because if you don't, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. you'll burn in hell for all eternity. Yeah. We're getting deep here, boys. Well, and that's my <laughs> my problem with organized religion is it's 
somebody telling you what God said, mm-hmm. either to them or to someone else entirely, mm-hmm. and not God telling you. It's a power trip, is what it is. Uh, yeah. You know, religion in general, it's a way. Once mankind found out a way to say, you know what, we're going to we're gonna take this belief that this group has, and we're going to make it, we're going to harness it so we can build them and make sure that they're underneath us. I don't want to paint it with too wide of a brush, because there are a lot of people that benefit from, like, it brings peace to a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, and, if somebody, you know we, what I mean. Yeah, but, true. But it as, is also as the large umbrella... Like yeah, if we take that's what I'm, if if yeah. we take away the individual that finds peace from religion, yeah, there are it, also people that find violence in it, and yeah. there are people that. But as an overarching thing of religion, I mean, it's just an overbearer. The theme, it's, it's a conqueror. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but it's it's the first form of government. It's yeah, the person that can explain the weird shit that happens in the world to the tribe or to whoever, yeah. like whatever your your first like social construct is that can say oh i know what that is it's the spirits being angry we need to do this all of a sudden mm-hmm. they do have a lot of power yeah. like you were yeah. saying Shane. well and this is the thing too and not again reiterate because we don't want to upset our fan base however if you are an individual that really is a you you have your faith and you are i've met the greatest people who are from whatever religion and they truly are good people oh sure but people that's the thing individuality not this mass consensus of what this theme yeah. seems to be. And that's well, that's the two choices. Exactly, because institutionalization is damaging to whatever you're institutionalizing. Yep. Like Yeah. And people will say this and it's like or people might argue we're talking about this kind of thing. Well, this Genesis guy is the leader of this and he wants everybody to look at him. And that is one of the things that he didn't want. He claims he is not the leader. Like he said, he doesn't want followers. He only wants leaders. Everyone is the same. Everyone is a leader. Um, he wanted it to be more of a meritocracy. Um, he there were there was no hierarchy, and as this thing uh, went on throughout the years, people did look to him, and he actually found no no enjoyment from that. He's like, I am not your leader. Yeah, he's like, the whole fucking point of this is that basically do as thou wilt. Yeah. Um, and that's why this doesn't strike me as a capital C cult, at least not yet. It's, you, know? you know what, and by the time we finish this, I don't think anybody will think it is a cult. I, I think Again, but like we is, covered before, I think the word cult got a broad and brush term sure. into it. You know, this isn't Heaven's Gate. But it definitely is like, you know, if this is going to be considered a cult, fucking sign me up. I'm I'm into it. I'm a, I'm in a cult. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I don't know. Like maybe I'm one of those weird people that go into some crazy shit. Um, I do have one quick. I didn't know how to add this in as like a as a fun blip it into what I was working on. But I do want because it's in my notes, and I'm like, well, I don't know how to add that in. But I feel like this is a good time to do it. Genesis holds the world record for most music released in a single year. I got that. Psychic TV put out 14 albums in 1986. Doesn't isn't that something else? It is. But also, yeah. when you listen to like music, like you showed us from Throbbing Gristle, like yeah, I could put out 14 records of that. I guess. <laughs> but still, I mean, I it's got to take some time to and thought process to put some stuff. What out. What we were saying before, ambition. 
Ambition. Somebody has ambition behind yeah. something. So we did play a clip it, and maybe this is a good time, John, if you're okay with it. We did play a clip it of, uh, th- <laughs> again, the fucking name, Throbbing Gristle. We played that. We did not play um, a little sample of Psychic Youth. Does anybody want to hear that? Psychic TV? Psychic TV. Oh, sorry. Psychic TV. Yeah, yeah uh, I would love to fucking, hear Let's jam some jams. Jam, damn. Here we go. I'm fucking into it. I like it. Very 1981-ish. Yeah, sure. I mean, I get a, it. I think that's you know? pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. I fucking dig that I mean, that's, shit. That's, I like it you know, better catchy. than I like it better than Throbbing Gristle, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, if you. I had to take the two, I think. Um, <laughs> well, I noticed okay. he was saying something about the Rolling Stones. I saw an interview from him being like, "Wow, we fucking hated the Beatles." He's like, "My mother liked the Beatles. My grandparents liked the Beatles." It's like, who wants to listen to a band that your mother likes? <laughs> and I'm like, that is so true. I'm like, that's why I listened to Dead Kennedys when I was a kid. Right, right. You know, oh, like, it's the same thing. Minor yeah. Threat. It's like. Yeah. The second my mom was like, ooh, I like that, I'd be like, well, fuck, this band sucks. <laughs> Toss this out the window. Yeah. That's why I'm such a fan of Tom Waits. I fucking love Tom Waits. Yeah, my musical genre is just out the, just back and forth with like a roller coaster. Um, I find it funny because we talk about, I mean, obviously this starts with music. Yes, it, you're covering mainly the cult, but there really is a lot of music aspect to it. And he really had that in his heart, I think, mm-hmm. where this is, it was really sounds and vibrations and what this did. And he referenced that back to like ancient days too, even. Yeah. And honestly, you know what? Some could argue that Topi was the fan club of psychic TV. Oh yeah, absolutely. So psychic TV was psychic TV was the band. And then the fans, the ultra fucking mega fans were the psychic youth. Um, And honestly, that's kind of, how they describe Topi as well is like, this is the fan club. Yeah. It's a very extreme fan club. Well, and I think, um, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but in part two, we're going to get a little bit more into some interviews with him and his quotes yeah, and kind of how. So on the, on the, on the next episode, I want to, I want to get just more into kind of the stories of kind of what happened to him. And, you know, I, I feel like we've outlined just, just a fucking fraction of what they're into. Um, but I, I feel like it gives you a good, a good base of kind of where they're coming from. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like Agreed. I said before, we could sit here for twelve hours and talk about what they're into yeah, and it's... what like they're all about. But I feel like I've given you the building blocks to kind of see what's going and on. And you know, and again, it's a big story. It it's, deserves it's huge. Yeah, yeah, a and... lot of attention to tell it right. But yeah, ne- next time I want to talk about the actual story of them. Mm-hmm. And some like how they did things, like a little bit about the organization, um, some accusations, and uh, we'll see. And, and there were a lot of accusations. They're mm-hmm. fair because you're again you're talking about the square people, the well, yeah. people that doesn't un- they don't understand what well, was happening kind if, of behind the closed doors. This is going to fall under satanic panic as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's in that, that time era. frame. Yep, yep. And yep. you know what? I, I mean, I don't know much about Satanism or like the. 
the Church of Satan or whichever one is. I know there's two of them, but I know they're all about the individual. That's Church so, of Satan. Church, yeah. So yeah. I know, I know that this can be like <laughs> sorry. This How can do I kind of that? fall of, under like a weird umbrella of Church of Satan thing, which you know they never talk about Satan at all. Yeah, yeah. it's similar but different. Right. Sure. Yeah. It just the individual talk. Like you're a powerful individual. Focus on yourself. Love yourself, but love your neighbor as well. Right. Um, and that kind of goes back. People into- miss that because they see the word Satan attached to it, and they automatically shut down. Mm-hmm. They automatically don't want to see any part of that. But really, the Church of Satan is about individuality and how do you make yourself better? How do you be something positive in the world? Well, and when you work on yourself, you make your community better. Yeah. You make you make those around you better. It's so just like Star Trek. When when you focus on yourself and focus on your well being, and as soon as you're good, you can project that onto other people. Absolutely. And I don't see that a lot with organized religion. I could be wrong. Mm. And I'm I'm not judging anybody for doing whatever they want to do. If it makes you happy. And we've Go said that before. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're not hurting somebody physically or mentally or emotionally, you're okay. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But, and I think in part two, so we'll, again, we'll have more interviews. Um, it, this could be so much, I, and I can't, I kind of, I'm ashamed. I'll be honest with you because I've never, ever heard of this man's name or what he accomplished or these groups and all my research of what's going on and to know how involved this was it's like oh my god yeah he's you know? a d- he's a deep thinker if that's all you can if that's all you can say about him he thought a lot yeah yeah which isn't the end of the world that's yeah so. that's not the worst thing to say about someone no no not at uh all. yeah like i i knew some of the band names but like i didn't know any of this shit yeah and i just kind of want to leave it on I think the media is fueling the fire for mass hysteria right now because we keep absolutely we're, we're talking about fear, and I, I think we need to realize yeah. that we are very easily manipulated by fear, and we are stronger when we care about our fellow man and when we care about ourselves. Yeah, and when you actually dish that fear down the pike and you kind of come together as a team or a family of sorts, yeah. and that's you, when you build. Yeah, when you yeah. worry about your neighbor and you worry about yourself, yeah. that's when we can make community right. stronger, and then that's when we can make... I mean, I'm worried about me, yeah. but I'm also worried about this over here. Is this exactly. okay? How's this group? I'm going yeah. through the same thing, company... Well, all of us, just work-wise. I mean, yeah. it legitimately, as dumb as it sounds, I'm worried about our sites and yeah. our company and the people that are managing and what's happening. And you know, and- I think this maybe this COVID-19 thing could actually end up being good for humanity. Bringing you know, together of sorts. You know, like maybe, yeah. maybe let's hope. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean once that's we get very, past the hoarding toilet paper phase. Yes. Yeah. That's well, I mean, sure. I mean, but those, yeah. pe- those, oh, the toilet paper hoarders are already off on their own thing. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about their breakaway civilization. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I don't want them in my tribe anyway. I was gonna say they're this tribe over here, but I feel yeah. like my tribe. I feel like yeah. this is this is a time for. I don't know unity, reflection, also, and unity. So, and I didn't mean to bring the fucking coronavirus no, into this, but talking I, about fear, and I'm seeing the way our society is acting along right now. those lines. Very fair. If you did have a moment of weakness and panic because your work said, uh, holy fuck. All right, everyone's working from home. 
on yeah. super short notice or you saw some shit in the news about schools closing or the fucking NBA being canceled and you fucking panicked and you bought a shitload of toilet paper that is way more than you're going to need. Literally. Check on your fucking neighbors. Yeah. You know, like ask them. I know this isn't super timely because this isn't going to come out for a couple weeks, but hey, in a couple weeks, maybe someone is in desperate need of some fucking toilet paper <laughs> yeah. or some food or whatever. If you're not sick, knock on some doors and say, hey, I can go to the store for you. I can... Or I have a shitload of toilet paper that I panic bought. Do you need some? Yeah. And be a fucking good human being. And, yeah. and you know what? This sounds really dumb, but there was a good example. And it, it made me feel fucking great because it was like, I wouldn't do anything else otherwise, but the response was awesome. And then and, and we'll wrap it up. We'll do some, some callbacks. But in Spokane, we had a, a massive outage years ago. Like it, literally the whole city, the whole valley, everybody, power went down. And we're in an apartment building and, and, you know, I'm a candle guy. You know me. Guys, there's a candle lit behind you right now. It smells delicious in here. Thank you. That's why I try to go for. So we had the power outage, and we had just moved in this apartment, didn't know anybody, and we had these little votive candles, these little tiny ones. And I just went knocking on doors, asking people, and there was this one guy that was down on the lower level, and he had the biggest smile on his face. He was like, this is the coolest thing. He says, you just made my day. Even though he had two fucking screaming kids with no power, stove doesn't work, they can't cook food, microwave doesn't work. But that just, that little tiny thing, it's the tiniest things that make it big. Yep. And that's bridging that community. And I, and I think that, you know, that might be something to say about this, but, um, with that being said, thank you, Patreons for being on board and everything else. Thank you listeners for being on board. Um, again, you can call us 801-252-69. Care about your community. <laughs> 45. And you can find us on all podcast platforms. Hopefully you like what we're doing. You can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com and um, social. Uh, on twi- uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's uh, at strangeunclespodcast. On Twitter, I believe it's just at Strange Uncles. On Patreon, it is patreon.com slash strangeuncles. Give us your fucking money. Yeah, like I had that a little bit. Um, this has been great, John. Thank you so much for the work and the effort. Um, ambition, again. Ambition, yeah. So something be said about that. Anybody else got anything else? The power of John compels you. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get stuck in my head all night long. No, I'm good. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Yes, we will. Close the gates. You've been listening to a fourth-hand production.